What we normally do when we do training for mission trips is we ask you guys to uh, lead BBS in the mornings for that, that entire week, and then we keep you about two hours every afternoon uh, after VBS to do training. So normally you end up with about eight to ten hours of training. Uh, can't answer that right now. Um, and this time you're going to get about two, and depending on how it goes, if we have to schedule more, we will. But uh, the nature of this trip is that there's just not as much training to, to do because a lot of what we're doing is kind of construction, manual labor stuff. I don't have to train you on that. Um, but there is other things that are really important that we're going to do. So um, I'm glad you're here. The people who aren't here, they're going to get the recording of this and have to sit by themselves in their room and listen to it um, and follow along, which will be weird. But uh, so here, here, we're going to take our time. We're going to walk through a whole bunch of stuff. The first part we're going to do is um, talk through mission trip stuff in general and talk about uh, being prepared um, like as individuals, like being spiritually prepared to go on this trip, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and do trip-specific stuff just for this. All right? So we're going to work. It'll probably, we'll probably do 30, 40 minutes on the prep stuff, take a break, and then we'll just squeeze in as much as we possibly can through the rest of it. that cool? This is not, uh, not going to be entertaining. This is just raw information coming at you. So... If you start nodding off, I, I'm going to talk like this. It's going to be really boring. So if you start nodding off, the person next to you starts nodding off, help them pay attention, and we'll get through it. Okay? Deal? You ready? Super. Somebody told me they were bringing me coffee, but they're 10 minutes late, so uh, I don't know what the deal with that is. Okay. <laughs> Control things with my iPad. All right. So preparing to go. Grab your Bible or your phone or the person's phone next to you. Matthew nine thirty seven. All right, this is a really long passage. So I'm going to pray for us, then we're going to read our whole big old passage, and then I'm going to ask you some questions about it. Okay? So let's pray. Father, um, I pray for this group of students uh, and adults that you would prepare our hearts, you prepare our minds, and you'd prepare our skill set before we head out to Chattanooga um, so that we would be as effective as possible, that we would make the the maximum impact uh, possible um, because of our training. So I pray that our time together would be effective, meaningful, and that you'd help us pay attention in the sleepiest part of the day. We love you. Amen. All right. Matthew 9:37 all the way down through 10:23. Here we go. All right, so this is Jesus. He says, uh, then, then he, being Jesus, said to the disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. And he called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who's called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simeon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve, these twelve sent out, instructing them, uh, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Praise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You receive without paying, so give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. In whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it, and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it, but if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, Shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable in the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, don't be anxious about, uh, about how you're to speak or what you're to say for what, you, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it's not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will divide brother to death 
and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. All right, so that's our passage. There's a lot of things in that passage, and your job is going to be to dissect it and figure out what a lot of that stuff means. Okay? So, I want you to grab three, four, five people around you, and then I'm going to give you a couple of questions to, to work through, okay? So, like, circle up, move around, whatever you need to do. Get with three or four or five people. Go. All right, so I want you to go through that whole passage, and I want you to find the, I want you to find the plan. All right, Jesus sends out, he, what we just read is that Jesus sent out the disciples in the 72, and he, he sends them out, he tells them what to do. All right, so there's components of the plan. He tells it like chronologically, like you're going to do this, you're going to do this, you're going to do this. So I want you to outline the plan. All right, so in my outline, I've got six things. So you need at least six or you didn't get enough. So work together, figure out the, the steps of the plan. Go. I'm going to give you like two or three minutes. So, yeah. Steps in the plan. The adults are really smart, so if you want to, like, get one of them to help you, then you can. Well, all right. Yeah, so, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the, on the pray and ask, right? Okay. So before, before they were going to leave anywhere, they hadn't, hadn't left town, they're sitting there, and it's pray, right? Is that a good, is that a good spot for us to start? Great. All right. So we're going, we're going to follow that model. All right. What's the next one? Okay. So what does that mean for us? Yeah. So if we're going to, if we're being sent out on a trip that we're going to try to do uh, that, if we're going to call it a mission trip, then it's, we're not, we're not specifically going to serve other believers. We're going to the lost, right? Can we follow that model? We still Okay. So far, Jesus' mission trip model is pretty legit. All right, what's, number, what's the next one? All right. Yeah. All right, so um, share. So it's not, just, it's not just going and showing up and goofing off and, like, sweeping porches or something and, or just doing construction or just playing with kids. Like, there's got to be gospel content. So what if we don't ever get that far? What if we don't actually share the content of the gospel? We're not telling the story, but we're really nice to people, and we help a lot, and we, like, build a, I don't know, giant building for somebody or something. Does that count? Do we fulfill our mission? No. If we don't get around to actually sharing the message of truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then we're just being nice people, and that's, that's just not worth it. All right? 
What else? Pack light. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, categorize that as pack light. That's going to be in your pack list for your parent meeting. That's not super spiritual. We're just going to don't bring everything in your house. All right, continue. So talk to me about this find a place to stay business. What's the point of that? What verse are you basing find a place to stay on? Yeah. So maybe 11, 11, 12 and leading into 13. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who's worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. That seems like a bunch of different steps all in there together to me. All right, so look, look at 11. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. And it's like, but if, if, you, if you bump into somebody and it's not really working out, keep moving. So we're, what we're going we're gonna to boil that down to, to say uh, make meaningful contacts. Right, that's that's how I'm going to interpret that. Make meaningful contacts. You know, sometimes you have you. Well, if, I don't know if you do or not. But if you if you walk up to somebody and you try to say try to say hello, try to introduce yourself, make a new friend, whatever. Right. Sometimes in greenhouse, I'll make you do that. Walk around. Hey, go meet somebody you don't know. And you walk up to him. You're like, my name's Britton. You're like, great. That's a bad contact. <laughs> uh, that's that. So. Basically, Jesus is telling us, folks, we send them out. There's going to be times this, is, this works really well and really naturally, and you're able to connect with people quickly and easily. Great. There's going to be other times where people just don't want anything to do with you. And our job is not to force ourselves on them. All right? So if somebody doesn't want to talk to you, your job is not to berate them into it. But if somebody is willing to talk to you and is open to having a conversation, then, man, you're all about it. Okay, so how many of you have met somebody and then gone and stayed in their house that day? Like, hey, my name's my name's uh, whatever, and I'm I'm gonna stay in your house tonight. You really you're nodding like you did that, like you made it. You like met somebody on the street and like spent the night at their house. Okay, good, good. Don't do that. All right, freak me out if you're like, yeah, I did that yesterday. That's, weird. Um, that's what they're that's what they were supposed to do. So it was go make a connection with somebody and stay there. That's a pretty strong connection. So obviously we're not going to do that. We've got somewhere for you to sleep, which is good. But, but it's, it's connect, uh, like find, find, some, like find uh, good, good people to connect with, and then connect hard, like not surface-level stuff with some depth to it. Okay? You're not going to spend the night at their house, but you've got to connect with some depth. Not just surface-level stuff. You've got to get in there and talk about life a little bit. Some of that stuff that makes you a little bit uncomfortable asking about you got to ask it with confidence to get to a, a more serious, meaningful kind of conversation. Okay? All right, what else you got? Yeah, be smart. It's good. Don't be an idiot. It's a great rule. Look at verse 8. 10-8. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. What are you supposed to do with that? You don't know. All right. <laughs> I want you to do that, man. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so the apostles are being sent out, and there's apostolic gifts. that there's that. I'm not an apostle. You're not an apostle. And so there's some giftedness that um, was coming really, really naturally to them at that time that's not uh, going to flow out of you in the same kind of way. All right? What's the principle there? What's the principle of those four things? What's the underlying idea, the, the underlying thing they're trying to accomplish with those four things? Yeah. Use what, do what you can to help people. Meet needs. Right? Okay, so in the flow of what we're doing, we've got pray, then go. Well, I'm just going to, let's click the slide up there. There it is. That's, that's my interpretation of the passage. So we're going to pray. We're going to go to lost people. We're going to connect with them. We're going to identify solid contacts. We're going to actually share the truth of the gospel. And we're going to use meeting needs to accomplish it. 
This is what we're doing on our trip and every other mission trip. And if you're not doing this, then you might be on a tour trip. I'm just, so this is, this is what we're doing when we go on mission trips. So take a picture of that or write it down or whatever you need to do to make sure you've got this. So as you're thinking through, why am I doing this? Why am I going? Why am I here? Why am I so hot? Why is Britain making me wear jeans? Why is he making me talk to people? I don't like talking to people. Then you just get that picture out and just stare at it for a minute. And remember that Jesus said it, not me, and then we'll be okay. This is the mission. We'll leave it up there until you got it. And you can add as many things out of that passage as you'd like to. Or any other passage for that matter, I guess. They're all good. People that are listening to this in your bedroom, it's boring, right? Wish you'd made it. Love you. All right. I see people still furiously writing. Go ahead. We can, keep, we can keep talking. We can keep talking while they're writing. All right. So the next slide, which you can't see yet, says, how were the disciples in the 72, how were they equipped or trained? Did they, did Jesus like hold a VBS and make them stay afterwards for two hours a day? Did they have like Sunday afternoon training sessions? How were how are they equipped or trained? This is your, like, your imagination here. This isn't like in the passage. Did they like go to seminary about it? What'd they do? How did they know what to talk about? Yeah? Yeah. Who had they been hanging out with? That sounds like pretty good training, right? That was it. There's not any formal training here. Technically, they're probably less trained than you. And really, they're just hanging out with Jesus and trying to tell people about him and doing the best they can. Was there some, like, magical, like, master plan and, like, a logistical schedule of events? And was there a schedule at all going into their trips and stuff? Like, do they have maps? Do they have Google? Do they know where they were staying? Do they have a pack list? Do they have a waiver? No. They just hung out with Jesus a lot. He's like, hey, you need to go hang out with some lost people uh, and tell them about me and connect well and like stay at their house and if they're jerks, then leave and um, meet needs. That was, that was the extent of the training. Uh, now, granted, spending a lot of time with Jesus is excellent training, but... Um, it's going to lead into some other things. So for them, there was no schedule. There was no structure. There's no logistics. It was just trying to do my best to let as many people know about Jesus as possible. So on our trip, if I tell you in this meeting that we're going to do something and then that never, ever happens because something falls through because people are flakes sometime, um, we can still do those things. We can still connect with people. We can still hang out with the lost. We can still share the gospel. We can still meet needs. Whatever shape or form that takes, it really doesn't matter as long as we're accomplishing that mission. So that truth in and of itself allows me to be flexible and allows me to be confident. You're people who know Jesus. And yeah, you haven't been like physically hanging out with him for the last couple of years, but you have spent a lot of time with him. And I hope that you're spending a lot of time with him in preparation for getting ready for your trip. Um, so rely on your story. Rely on what you know of Jesus. Rely on the training and the teaching and the stuff that you know. And focus on the mission and you're going to be okay. Don't focus on the schedule. Don't focus on the logistics. Focus on Jesus. All right. So that's that. Next, what were they told to expect in the passage? Look down at your passage. What were they told to expect? You sure? Was there anything else? Were they told to expect success? 
were they told to expect uh, a whole bunch of people to come to faith? Were they told to expect anybody to like them? So just the persecution then. <laughs> huh? Yeah. Yeah. The only thing they were told to expect was to be hated and to be persecuted. Anything better than that is just like a fun surprise. Right? He's like, hey, at the, at, the, at, the, at the baseline, I'm about to send you out to a whole bunch of people who don't really want to spend time with you. And I'm gonna, you're, we're going to try to meet needs and do some stuff, but it may not work. So your, your expectation going in needs to be that it's, it's going to go poorly, that people aren't going to receive you well, that they're going to hate you for what you're trying to do, what you're trying to say, because the gospel is a stumbling block. And so as you're explaining the gospel, you've got to explain sin, and you're going to tell people that they're not perfect. And that may not go real well. So your expectation going into a mission trip is not um, whatever your image of success is. Your expectation is for things not to go great and it to be hard and you to have to work. He hasn't sent you to be successful. He's sent you to be faithful. So as you go, your expectation is to be as faithful as I can, no matter how hard it gets. Anything better than that is going to be awesome. Does that change your expectation a little bit? Maybe. Okay. All right. New passage. First Thessalonians 2 6. Nope. 8. First Thessalonians 2 8. That's what it says. So we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Okay? So looking at that passage, what do the followers of Jesus share with the Thessalonians? Tell me what it says. What was the first, what did they share? What? Their lives and what else? The gospel. All right. We know, we kind of have a concept of how to share the gospel, right? We sort of, we sort of got that one. The gospel is the, I mean, it's the story of salvation. It's, it's, it's what Jesus did on our behalf to bring us to restoration, and so whether, however confident you feel in sharing that, you at least get what that means. So what does it mean to share your life with somebody? Imagine you're about to go to college, all right? And you've all picked some school where there's dorms, okay? Nobody's going to Calhoun. You're all going somewhere with dorms. You're all moving away. And you're in that lottery system. It's like Match.com. This is how this works, by the way. For you to get a, a dorm mate, you're basically in a college version of Match.com, and they match you with somebody with supposedly similar interests and values and personality type and whatever so that you don't kill each other when you live together. They're getting smarter. Used to, they just like picked you at random, and then people killed each other, uh, literally. So they decided to fix that with the Match.com version. Um, and then, so about halfway through the summer, after your senior year, you get an email with a name and a phone number of some other kid that you're about to live with for a year. And then you're supposed to co- contact them. And so eventually, you know, you send a text, whatever, like, hey, what's up? My name's Britton. We're going to be buddies, right? And then, so, you know, somehow eventually you, you either meet face to face, you FaceTime, you call them or whatever, and you're going to have a conversation. Think about the things you would talk about in that conversation. Because pretty, like, pretty quickly here, you've got to get to know this person pretty deeply, and you've got to understand what they're about, and you've got to know if you're going to hate college for the first year or not. Like, you want to know some stuff like, hey, are you nuts? <laughs> you know? What, uh, do you go to church anywhere? Because if you don't, that's going to get weird. Like, I need to get my game face on. I, there's, you're going to ask some pretty honest, serious questions right off the bat because you know that there's going to be some depth to that relationship because you're going to have to share your life with them. Okay, compare that to that kid that sits three rows across from you in math. Like you're in a classroom. They sit like 12 feet away from you. You have assigned seats. You don't have the same friends. What does a conversation with that person sound like? So that's about as far as you get because you're not expecting to share life with that person. So you stay at surface level. When you're expecting to live with somebody, share life with somebody, then the, the depth of conversation gets dramatically deeper. 
All right, so last question again. How do you share life with somebody? How do you begin to do that? Help me. Say words. How do you do it? How do you, how do you start to do that? If, you, if I'm going to go to Chattanooga for a week and I'm going to hang out and do whatever Britain tells me to do, how do I do this? What kind of questions? Meaningful questions. Not like, what's your pizza? No one cares. Okay? You ask meaningful questions. So we're going to boil that down. Can I go backwards on this? I don't think I can. So we're supposed to share the gospel to share our lives. And you understand how to share the gospel. We got, we're going to work on that. And you got to figure out how to do that. And it's to share your life part. You need to ask meaningful questions of everyone you come in contact with. Write that down. Ask meaningful questions of everyone you come in contact with. Not favorite color. I don't, doesn't matter. Just not dumb stuff. Ask meaningful questions of everyone you come in contact with. Also share the gospel. Like that's, that's just like understood, I feel like. There's like two sheets up here. You're going to want those. All right, it's break time. Go grab a drink. Uh, yeah, we'll just we'll follow the slideshow. I'll do the forms at the end. Okay. Uh, two essential attitudes as we go. Is to just random attitudes. This isn't like biblical stuff. It's just two attitudes I need you to have as you get ready to go on this trip. First one is I need you to be teachable. I need you to be teachable. If any, if any of the people that um, we're partnering with, so we're, I'll explain later, but we got two, two and a half sites that we're working with. If any of the people that, that live and work and live and breathe those places, if they ask you to do something differently uh, or tell you that, hey, this, this is going to work better than what you're doing, go with their way. As long as it's not like idiotic or unsafe, just go with what they ask you to do. All right. So if a student life staffer, if they, if they ask you to do something differently, then just, just allow them to, to have input into the way that we're working. Okay. So even if, if we train for a certain thing, I mean, I haven't been on any of these sites before. So the people that are, that have been there know it best. So we're going to rely on them. So be teachable. The second one is be flexible. This ties into that whole no schedule thing. Um, there is a schedule and there is a set of tasks that we need to accomplish. Um, and we're going to do our best to do all of the things. But schedules change, especially on mission trips. Uh, projects change, sites change, transportation changes. Everything can flux just almost at a moment's notice. When you go on mission trips with us, you need to be ready for things to change uh, pretty consistently. So we're going to go out with a plan, and that plan will not be the plan we come back having completed. So just... Be ready for that. So when I ask you to do something different or I'm like, hey, I know you're supposed to be doing this thing today, but I need you to be over here because this kid's throwing up because he didn't drink water. Drink water. Then you just got, you just got to, I just need you to roll with it, okay? I, what I don't want to have to do is like baby you and talk you up for it. Like, hey, you know, I know you really don't want to and you're like whining about it, but you're going to have to anyway. So just deal with it. Just do it. Like if we can just be flexible and we can keep moving, that'll make us a lot more effective. All right. Even if you don't get your preference, please, please, please try to be flexible. So what are we doing? We got three teams and two sites. We're going to divide our crew up into three separate teams. Those teams will probably not be static. All right. They're mostly going to be, but that's that flexibility thing. Uh, so if I say, hey, you know, A through F, you're like team one or whatever. I may need to shift some of you around every once in a while to get it to work, okay? So like if this site needs more people or this site needs more people, I might have to move you. So it's, it's not permanent, okay? But in general, two-thirds of the group is going to be at one site and one-third of the group is going to be at the other site, and you're going to rotate. So you'll spend two days at the big site and one work day at the small site. Make sense? I cannot guarantee you that you'll be at two days and one day. If I need more people, it might be two days 
in one day. It might be opposite, but you're going to get to do both in some variety. Cool? Everybody will get to do both eventually. All right. So site one on your sheet this is your first page. On the top of the third line, it says Greenway Farms on your first page. Uh, Greenway Farms is the small site. That's, that's most of your one-day sites. So one of these that one day you'll be at this, at this site with some adults. There's also going to be some parks and recreation people from Chattanooga City Authority there. Okay? Um, and you're, we're basically going to do whatever they need us to do. So they've got a whole list of little projects around this cute little park that we're going to be working on. Now, cleaning up stuff and uh, putting mulch and flower beds and fixing a bench is not going to impact eternity in and, of, in and of itself. It's just not. We can lay all the mulch in all the places in all the world, and it's still not going to impact eternity. The reason that you're in this park is to meet people. That whole meet needs thing, like you're going you're gonna to go to this park, you're going to work hard, you're going to have a great attitude, you're going to be happy and smiley, and you're going to be mulching and fixing junk, whatever these people will tell you to do. All right? And the reason why you're doing that is because this is the weekend after Memorial Day. We're in Chattanooga. Chattanooga is an outdoor town. So like when you read these uh, like outdoor magazine lists of top places to live, Chattanooga is always up there like in the top 10 outdoor places to live because there's parks everywhere. People are outside everywhere. They're riding bikes and walking and playing frisbee and weird outdoor games and spike ball and mountain biking and hiking places. All right. Everybody's just outside all the time when the weather's nice. So we're going to put you outside and let you invest in the places, these outdoor spaces that, they, that mean so much to them. And they're hopefully going to ask you about it. And if they don't, and they start playing something that looks fun nearby, go play with them in your jeans. Okay? So if they start playing ultimate, go play ultimate. If some little kids are, like, goofing off and playing with some swings, go say hi to their moms. Don't be creepy. Like, talk to mom first. Say, hey, mind if I, like, push your kid in the swing for a minute? Like, I, don't, I just want to be helpful. I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. I don't know what's not weird. Just don't be weird. And... Uh, Engage people, all right? Paint a butterfly on a kid's face. Like, I don't, I don't know. Just whatever you need to do to hang out with people, just do that. Now, your in is meeting needs. You're there. You're serving. You're meeting needs. You're trying to beautify their city. And, we, you know, we love Chattanooga. We want to help them make it beautiful, make it a great place to be and live and whatever. But the people matter infinitely more than the project. So don't get so focused in on what you're doing on the site that you forget about people. If you, go, if you make it through this day at Greenway Farms and you don't talk to a stranger, you did it wrong. Okay? Make sure you're talking to people. Get the work done, but prioritize the, fo- the people over it, okay? Does that make sense? You got any questions about that site? Anything at all? Okay. All right. Site two is Emma Wheeler Homes. Uh, Emma Wheeler Homes is one of the largest um, government housing projects in the city of Chattanooga. Uh, Chattanooga is an interesting town. Um, it has a really large disparity between, um, uh, between classes. So socioeconomic classes, there's a wide, uh, a wide separation between those two those socioeconomic classes. Um, so you're going to be spending time with some people that are from a different place than you. That... Uh, whose life does not look like your life, all right? And you're going to do it with the most loving, tender-hearted, um, compassionate, uh, Christ-filled attitude imaginable, all right? So you're going to go into a housing project, and you're going to do whatever they ask you to do in a housing project. They're, people are in there doing ministry all the time. It's safe. It's not sketchy. It looks, it, I mean, it's, it's a housing project, but it's, it's not sketchy. You're completely safe. People are there all the time. People just like you, same age as you, doing the same stuff as you. It's going to be fine. All right? The nice thing about this um, is that there's, there's so much ministry that goes on in this, in this community that uh, they've actually raised enough funds to buy a school across the street. No, it's not like abandoned or like falling apart or whatever. It's just an unoccupied school. And so the, the people who, are, who run the ministry that is centered in uh, Emma Wheeler. They've bought this school. They just got the keys for it a couple of days ago. So you're going to come in as the first group to start helping transition this school into like a, a ministry community center for this housing community, which is pretty awesome. 
All right. So our construction element, when we're at this site, is going to be helping fl- start begin the process of flipping this school into a Christian-based community center for these folks. That's awesome. I have no idea what that looks like or means. No clue. All right. It's probably going to be a mess. It's an unoccupied school, so it's probably not sparkling. Okay. So I don't know what they're going to have you do, but they're going to, you're, we're going to begin the process of getting that place ready to go so they can begin renovating and do what they need to do in it. In addition to that, that's kind of like site two, part a site two, part B is actually working in the, in the housing community. Um, so we're going to do some different stuff. I think one day there's a, a, like a community health fair. So they might have you guys kind of stationed around kind of as traffic Directors and pointing people in the places they need to go and doing that sort of that sort of handing out waters for people that kind of thing. Um, but one of the primary things they're hoping that we can do is uh, kind of run like a backyard Bible club, kids club sort of thing uh, in 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 that housing community each day. And so, uh, as is always the case when people ask us to do that, they don't know what they're asking. All right, people are like, hey, why don't you come hang out with our kids? Well. That's not a plan, okay? So in a minute, we're going to walk back through the plan about how we do backyard Bible clubs. Um, if you went to Dallas last year, we're using the same curriculum that we did last year because at least you already know that. So you already know the songs. You already know the Bible stories. You already know what we did. So we're just going to reuse that again this year. Ninth graders, your 10th graders will help you with that, uh, that were there anyway last year. So if you've got some 10th graders on your team, they'll kind of help lead the charge. Ninth graders, you, you catch on as you go. It's not hard. Um, basically, you're just loving on kids and having fun and putting crafts together and singing some songs. All right? It's not that bad. But we're not going to train you as in-depth as we did for Dallas because uh, you've already done it. Or half of you already done it. Okay? So um, <laughs> we're going to work on getting a set schedule for when they want us to do the kids club thing and like what time, what location, what we need to bring. All that's not in place yet, so I can't give you a schedule to say that we're going to do backyard ball club from 9 to 12 and feed them a snack. I can't tell you that yet, so keep checking your email. That We'll, we'll kind of deal with that as we go. But in general, that's what we're doing. You'll spend hopefully one day in the park meeting people. That'll be a whole lot like you. You're going to spend two days in a housing community that with people that are nothing, uh, that come from a background that is nothing like your background. All right. Um, when we did the, uh, the, uh, the service projects at Disciple Now, um, I, I wrote up with, uh, uh, I think, like Casey and, and Whitney, and we showed up at uh, the CASA workplace with some of our folks. I don't remember who they were, but it might have been some of you. I don't really know. But um, I pulled in right behind a, a car full of girls. And, I mean, it's, it does not look like our area. It's more run down. It's older. There's people sitting out in the front yard. And it's just it's not your community that you're used to. And so people hop out of the car, and I hop out of the car, and people are, like, yelling at me, Britain, this place is sketch. And there's people sitting across the street in their chairs in the community that we're supposed to be serving. And a bunch of white girls just got out of the car and started screaming about how this place is sketchy and they don't feel safe. That didn't, that didn't feel real good. You know what I'm saying? You're going to be somewhere where inside the voice in your head is going to say, this place is dirty and sketch, and I'm not completely sure I'm safe. I'm promising you you're safe. Your adults are going to back you up. They're going to be right there with you to make sure you're safe. Do not let any of those words come out of your mouth. Don't let those words come out of your mouth. When we drive into that place and you're on that bus and it's just you and you're looking fine, little cute bus right over, whatever, and you ride in there, I don't want to hear one negative uh, phrase uttered about anybody you see, any storefront, any house, any landscaping, any dog, cat, pony, bird, cloud. I don't care. Like, I only want to hear great, loving, positive Jesus words and all that other stuff inside of you. Um, I want to die on this trip. When we do mission trips at Mount Zion, uh, I intentionally look for trips where you're going to be placed in, um, in settings like that that don't look anything like Monrovia with people that don't live like you live. Because once you've hung out with them and spent time with them and served them, you figure out that people are people. And some of those attitudes that you walk in with are pretty sinful. 
Um, so we don't go nice places on mission trips just because you need that. So if you hear anybody on that bus saying anything like that, handle it. All right. If they if, if they didn't listen to this CD, uh, Casey, actually, I think this CD is probably going to uh, run out of recording space here in a second. Casey, can you switch CDs? I'm going to run out of recording time in three minutes. Um, so if they don't listen to this, you hear anything like this, shut it down. Definitely, definitely, definitely don't say anything out loud in the community. Okay? If you have a concern, talk to an adult. Tell them your concern. They'll fix it. Hey, when we get in the site, we're like, hey, uh, so the way that we're going to get attention, I'm going to yell one, two, three, and all of you say, eyes on you. And they're like, okay, let's practice. One, two, three. Great. So then there's a bunch of kids going nuts and like beating the mess out of each other. And you just yell one, two, three. And they all stop magically and say eyes on you and just stare at you. I'm like, eyes on you. What? It's, it's like magic. So if you have a couple of those things, you can just yell one, two, three real loud. Everybody does it. Or you can do the clap thing. You do that three times. Everybody's like clapping with you. And it's, it's a nice, non-mean way to regain control. What you don't need to do, if you ever hear yourself yelling at a kid, you are doing it wrong. <laughs> uh, if you have lost control of a group of children and you start screaming at them to line up or listen or do what I say or stop that, you're doing it wrong. Check your attitude. All right. So uh, you'll be in charge of some silly opening songs and the music station. We have stations we walk around. Uh, so there's some s snack stuff. You handle the cooler, trash bags, Germex. Um, you're not going to have a tent. You don't need that. And uh, during the rest of the time, you're serving as a buddy, which I'll explain later. The rec people, your job is to be excited and animated. You have to love the game. Whatever the game is, if the game is patty cake, you are a patty cake pro champion. You live to play patty cake. Like, nothing makes you happier on the face of God's green earth than patty cake. All right, that's what your face and attitude and body language TV is saying. Because however, however into it you are, they're going to be like 60% is into it. So if you got to be way up there to get them to where you actually want them to be. All right, so you're super mega into it. Actually, everybody is super mega into it. Uh, and the rest of the time, you're serving as a buddy. And um, the training guides for each day, that's something I'll explain when time comes to do that. The Bible study leader... Again, you were excited and animated about Bible stories. This story about Moses is the coolest story you have literally ever heard in your entire life. I'm going to tell you about this story. It's going to blow your mind. Like, your mind's going to explode. That's going to be great. However excited you want them to be, they're going to be about half of what you are. So you've got you to pump it up. Uh, these are people that aren't, aren't afraid to be silly. Um, you kind of help direct what everybody's job is for the day. Uh, you need to practice your part, know the Bible story well without looking at notes. You can't have, I'm going to give you a sheet that tells you the story and some questions to ask, and you cannot have that sheet in your hands. It'll be making eye contact with kids. You don't have to memorize it. You just need to know it well enough. Like, I haven't memorized what I'm saying right now, but I know what I'm talking about, so I can talk confidently and look at you, and it's, in, it's somewhat engaging, hopefully, all right? So you can't have a sheet in front of you. Um, you need to have your Bible in your hand, even if you're paraphrasing or storytelling. We're telling truths out of God's word. If you just stand up and tell a story about your cousin Mark, well, that's great. So, if, if you, so, But it's not um, life-changing. It doesn't have any authority behind it except that it's your story. So if you stand up and you're telling a story about some guy named Mark, and I'm not from a Bible background, and I'm six... I might get kind of confused about whether this is just some guy you know or what, right? So when you're telling a Bible story, you need to have a Bible with you and you have it open, you need to be referencing it and like have the passage that you're talking about. So like in verse six, it says this. So you're going to have a couple of actual verbatim quotes, even if you're paraphrasing most of a story so that you're continually connecting your Bible story back to God's word. All right. And the buddies need to be helping with that too. Um, so you got to think of ways to engage kids to the story. It's like asking questions. That's the three to five questions to ask students at the end of the story to make sure they comprehend the lesson. The, the lesson guide walks you through all this stuff. Uh, you got the few ways to regain order and 
you're in charge of the welcoming and opening. So when you guys get the kids together, like, hey, uh, I'm so glad you guys came and hung out with us today. We're going to do a bunch of stuff, play some games, we're going to sing some songs and do a Bible story. It's going to be super great. I'm really excited. So here's how today is going to work. We're going to begin over here and be over here. There's going to be a teenager who's going to hang out with you. It's going to be awesome. So you're, you're kind of the MC for the day. All right, craft people, be excited and animated about crafts. All right? So if you are gluing stars onto a sailboat, it's the coolest thing ever. Like Pinterest ain't got nothing on your sailboat, okay? You're super pumped about it. I love sailboats, and I love them even better when there's stars on there. So you're giddy about sailboat stars, okay? There are no sailboat stars, but you, you get the picture. Um, you got to make sure your supplies are ready. We're going to buy it all for you in advance, and it's just going to be packaged up and easy to go. Um, you got to plan the explanation for completing the craft, so and that there's a spiritual explanation for each craft. So, hey, this is the reason we're doing this. You just made a belt. Talks about the belt of truth. Like, so you're, you've got to figure out, I mean, I'm going to give you the passages and the reasons, the tie-in for why you're doing that craft, but you're the one that has to verbally explain it to the kids. All right? Then the rest of the time you're being a buddy, and you've got to know ways to regain order. And then buddies. Uh, buddies seem like they are the easiest job, in reality, they are by far the hardest. Um, it may seem like, hey, I don't, I'm not called a whatever leader, so I'm not a leader or somehow. Uh, maybe the people that are called leaders, maybe they're more significant in some kind of way. That is not true. That is not close to true. All right? Buddies are the ones that are front line. That's front line. So you are going to have a kid or two or six or 14, I don't know, depends on how many kids show up. And you are going to be their buddy. You're going to know their name. You're going to ask them questions about themselves. You're going to, I mean, that kid has to think and believe that you actually care about them, which means that you have to actually care about them. When you guys interact with adults or people at Disciple Now or whatever, you you get which adults really want to know you and which adults are there because somebody just made them. You, you know the difference. You see through the when people are trying to fake you out and make you think they care about you. You know. Those kids are just as smart as you are. And if you're faking it and you don't really care about them, they're going to feel that and they're going to pull away from you. Um, go in praying that God would give you a heart for the kids. And he will. Uh, Stephen Underwood went to... Um, yeah, Stephen went to Dallas with us last year and uh, did a great job, like a lot of you guys, and, and kind of built some connections with some kids. Some, I mean, a lot of you that were in Dallas last year did the same thing. And uh, Stephen was walking in the greenhouse with me the other day and told me that um, a couple of days, days before that he'd gotten a phone call. And uh, so he answered the phone. It was from some weird area code, didn't know who, the, who it was, but he answered it. And, uh, and then somebody on the phone is, is a woman speaking Spanish, which is weird. And so and, and he kind of works it out that he's – that she's from Fort Worth and uh, or Dallas, and so we were in Dallas last year, and he's like, I don't know. So he's got his phone out, and he's got her on speaker, and he's trying to get, like, Google Translate going to try to figure out what in the world is happening. So he's got, like, a phrase book on Google open. He's trying to speak Spanish with this lady for a while. And finally, he's like, do you speak English? <laughs> she's like, yeah. <laughs> All right, so she, she speaks English. Good. So we can close Google. We go back to the phone call. Basically, the kids... Um, and so she says, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm the mom of whoever. I forgot the kid's name. So Stephen had a buddy. That he, you know, he was the buddy for this kid in, in Dallas at one of the sites. And she says, hey, I'm this kid's mom. Um, you gave, you gave, uh, gave him your number last year in Dallas, and he, he wanted to call and say hi. And so she gives him the phone, and it's the kid, and Stephen's, like, super pumped. You know, that's, you know Stephen gets, and uh, I can just imagine him, like, jumping up and down his room or something. And then, and then all of a sudden, the kid's like, hey, can I put you on speaker? He's like, yeah, why not? And he puts him on speaker, and it's like all of those kids from that, from that kids' club are all together to call Stephen Underwood. They're pumped. And I'm going to cry about it. Like, you know, that's nuts. So, so Stephen actually cared about his kids. So we do our family share thing at the end of the night. We all get around and sit in a circle and tell how, what God did that day. And every day Stephen's like super pumped and kids are coming to Christ. And it's just great. A year later, those little kids all figure out how to get in the same room to call their buddy. If you don't think that being a buddy is significant, you are wrong. 
So some of the most significant ministry you're going to do in Chattanooga is investing in one kid's life. So if you're a buddy, your job is to spend time with your kid, actually care about them. Let's read what the chart actually says. It says intentionally staying with one to three kids throughout the day or week, helping your buddy with activities, develop a relationship, ask those good questions we talked about, connecting your buddy and their family, if possible, to the local church. So there's supposed to be a church that we're directing people to. So in the housing, housing, uh, the housing project area, we're directing people to this church. We're in the park. We're directing people to a different church. Uh, do y'all remember Chad Poe? He's done a bunch of events for us. It's his church. The people in the park, that's where we're sending them. We're sending them to Chad Poe. So you've heard, you know the pastor there, like, whatever. Okay. Uh, so anyway, back to being a buddy. You're presenting the gospel and you're sharing your testimony. That's your story of what God's done in your life. That's your job as a buddy. Who does those jobs is going to have to uh, shift and change daily. So in Dallas, we could establish, hey, this is your crew. You're going to be with them the whole week. You're going to be at the same site the whole week. So your job the whole week is this. We can't make it that, that clean this time. So we're going to make it as clean as we possibly can and plan as well as we can. But if you prepare to be a music person and I need you to switch and be a Bible study leader at the last minute, flexible. All right? And you'll just stay up all night figuring out how to be a whatever leader for the next day. Cool? All right. That's our last thing. So, um, actually, it's not. You got a, you got a form, uh, your student life form that we gave you. Um, Whitney has gone ahead and filled out a bunch of the information on here for you, including some of her notary information. There's a lot of you going. Uh, I want you to use this copy, like the copy that we just handed you. I want you to fill this version of it out. Um, if you if you lose it, then you, you know you can download another one off the, off the our website, and that's fine. But if you do this, it just saves Whitney some time and trouble. So uh, just go ahead and fill that thing out, and then drop it off the office or bring it back Wednesday night for greenhouse, and we'll notarize it for you. You don't need to go to a bank or anything to get it notarized. We'll notarize it here, um, but fill that version out. And that'll save Whitney some trouble, and we'll we'll go from there. So uh, if you did not get an email from me uh, about this training. I don't, know how you, I don't know how you found out about it, but good job. Um, if you didn't get the email, then I need to know that so I can update your email in our system to make sure you get emails. So from here on out, the more information I get about the Emma Wheeler thing, um, we'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep sending you more and more details about that through your email. That's how we're going to communicate. So if you don't check your email, uh, <clears throat> you should. And if your email address is has like 20,000 emails from Yahoo or something in it, you should get a different email address that you'll actually check. Um, that's just Britain life tips. But anyway, uh, so I'm going to hang out. Um, you're going to spend some time in prayer and then, um, you're, you're going to be done. But, uh, yeah, I think that's all I need. If you do your form, tell me your email address. If you don't, if you haven't already and we'll go from there. All right. So, um, what I want you to do, I want you to divide, like s- scatter around the room, find some space, all your own. Take your stuff with you.